What's up? I'm up first. It's me, Jordan. I'm playing Hubert. There isn't a class in this game, I believe, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jory. I am playing Rebecca, and it's dreadful to be here. Nice. What you said that you have to say, it's good to be here. Just because it's her birthday? It's, it's my her birthday. birthday. It's her birthday. Sorry, dog. Hi, I'm Eli. I play Happy. Jesse said I have to say it's good to be here. I hate, I hate this one. I think the recording is canceled. My name's Jesse, and I am the host. It's good to be here. Welcome to Many Realms. Welcome to another Many Realms one-shot. Today, we will be playing Dread by Epidiah Ravikal. Dread is a horror game, and some listeners may find the content of this episode disturbing. Please refer to the full content warning in the episode notes if you wish to learn more. New Era, October 1919. A rocky outcropping along Canada's eastern coast a wild, beautiful land that draws people in with the promise of a new life in a new world. Booker's Cottage stands stark against the flat horizon of the Atlantic Ocean. It's a little nicer than some of the surrounding cottages, though not by much. The residences here are typically used on a temporary basis as fishermen follow the movement of the salt cod across the season, then move inland to wait out the winter in nicer accommodations. It is a cool day, Cloudy, and the air promises a bitter chill tonight. George Tatham, patriarch of Booker's Cottage, is meant to be returning from his latest voyage today, or tomorrow at the latest. Rebecca, you are having one of your spells, and you've sought the help of your servant Happy to prepare supper. Hubert, you are somewhere on the property. I want each of you in turn to describe to me your character's physical appearance and what they are doing at this very moment. Yeah, I am playing Rebecca. She is a woman in her 40s. She has short, dark hair that um, normally she keeps covered in a uh, bandana or a hat, but at this time it's loose as she's lying in bed. Yeah, waiting for at least dinner to be made, listening to her children around the house, the noises of them walking around and chatting. Um, But she herself um, is too exhausted to get up. Tell me what Happy is doing and what he looks like. Um, Happy is, um, I think there's a nice stew going. Happy is just stoking the fire, I guess. Just freshly chopped some wood for the lady of the house and is um, taking care of it. So he's in the kitchen. He is a, a big man, uh, late 40s. He's got like a uh, salt and pepper beard. That does it for Jordan, I know it does. Schwing. He's, yeah. got, he's got denim overalls. Schwang. <laughs> <laughs> a huge schlong. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's Joy's birthday. <laughs> 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 Denim overalls um, always smells a little bit like fish, 
And, um, well, on a good day, he smells like campfire, but today he smells like fish. Um, and he's got, like, a very a jovial face. A little, a little Santa Clausy. Hence the name. Hubert, what do you look like, and what are you doing? Hubert, um... Is is a younger boy. He is one of Rebecca's sons, the eldest. Yeah, the eldest son. Um, he keeps his hair buzzed very, very short, or I suppose shaved, um, much like how he had it in the wartime, uh, and also much like the wartime, he wears predominantly old military drabs that have become quite like disheveled and old and patchy. Um, and they're ill-fitted as well. He is forging through, I'm assuming there's some like forestry. It's sparse, but there is some. He is foraging for some mushrooms to add to the hunter's pot later that uh, evening. Uh, hasn't told anyone that he's doing so, and it's more of a, you know, uh, a little bonus thing he's trying to do perhaps for his mother. How badly do you want some mushrooms, Hubert? Um... On a one to ten, uh, six. You can find delicious mushrooms in this patch of trees, but to do so, I'll need you to make a pull from the tower in the center of the table. <laughs> no problem, what? In the center of the table, there is a tower made of 54 wooden blocks stacked three to a level in alternating directions and 18 levels high, commonly sold under the brand name Jenga. In dread, when we are trying to attempt risky actions or ones where the outcomes are uncertain, I'll ask you to make pulls from the tower in the center of the table. If you knock the tower over, as will happen with increasing likelihood as it becomes more unstable, something very, very unfortunate will happen. I feel like after this one, I'm gonna go for one that you have to like yank out and probably will knock over, but for now, I'll just go for a nice, oh. easy one. The mushrooms that you find, Huber, are, are an astonishingly vivid shade of violet that stand out stark against the pale blue-green of the grass and moss in this forest. That seems poisony. You've never seen them before. Uh, I think Hubert's the type of fellow that that would be even more enticing, unfortunately. So I think that he is going to both take them and... Honestly, again, with how Hubert is, I feel like uh, it's just going to add them to the pot when he gets back. While Happy is busy fulfilling some other chore, Hubert, you add the violet mushrooms to the stew. And it's time for supper, so everyone gathers in the kitchen to eat. How are you doing, Rebecca? How bad is your your upset today? Mm, I have to, like really force myself to walk down the stairs and um it's like a great task just to sit at the table but i'm not completely like bedridden maybe the beginnings of a of an intense headache yeah are coming on oh, rebecca's really relatable are there any snatches of conversation questions demands as you all wash up and sit down ready to eat i don't think javi is a man of too many words but um and, and also he has like a very intimidating demeanor, I think, and the quietness makes him more scary. But he does have um, an affection for Rebecca, so he ladles her a bowl and puts it in front of her at the table first. 
when I think the kids usually get their own. I picture Happy as really straining against the bounds of this not very large cottage. Oh, yeah. Having to stoop when he enters a room. Yeah, I was literally going to say, like, um, has, like, a permanent bump on his head from hitting the doorway (laughs) um, and kind of, like, grunts in your direction because I'm too shy to say this is fearful. Thank you. Um, how how was everybody's day, children? Um, Richard and Helen. Helen, how was the uh, painting you're working on? I was drawing a bird that I saw in the garden. She's scary. Yeah, what the fuck? Kill her. <laughs> I punch her. <laughs> That's lovely, Helen. I, I, I hope to see it soon when it's finished. Where's Richard, mummy? He's not at the table. He's not at the table. Hubert, where's your brother? Uh, I don't know. I'm not his keeper. Happy stands up and looks out the window, just trying to spy him. No sign of him. He hollers loudly. Richard! No response. And it's not like Richard to not come down for dinner. He's a hungry lad. (sighs) I'll I'll go holler for him. I open the door. Rich! Richard! Your voice echoes out over the empty expanse of shoreline where Booker's Cottage sits. In the distance, maybe you can hear the black waves of the Atlantic Ocean lapping against the rocks. You can see the sparse copse of trees in the other direction where you were foraging for mushrooms earlier. And beyond that, there's just small patches of grass and scrub, lots of hills. Richard and Helen certainly like to play among them and hide, but it isn't like Richard again to not come when he is called. He's not answering. What 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 was he doing today? Did he did he go to the market? Maybe he got held up. Happy looks at Helen, I guess. Helen's eyes grow wide and she looks pale. She looks away from you. I I like go down the way you're not supposed to talk to short people. <laughs> but you should do for children. <laughs> That's what I do to look at her. Do you say anything? No, I just is she gonna answer me? I'm a scary-looking man. Yeah, I was going to ask, are you going more for uh, intimidation or for, like, a gentle coaxing? I think Happy thinks he's gentle, but he's a quiet giant. Like, he's a little scary. The quiet giant, we call him. Um, Happy, if you want to get the answer from Helen, you need to make a pull from the tower. I'm not good at Jenga. Do you... What What causes Helen to, uh, to fess up? Happy can be... Uh, like, he has, he's like the ocean. Like, he has this, like, great intensity about him that he doesn't necessarily mean to have. And you've, you know, he does all of the um, dadly things around the house without being and having the warmth of a father. So you see him every day, like, chopping the wood, breaking things regularly, building them back up with his strong hands. So he's, um, don't fuck with him, (laughs) small child. I think that's uh, the the fear and the surprise from children is something that Happy experiences a lot whenever he goes into town. And it's familiar to you the way that Helen's eyes just drink in the mass of wrinkles on your face, the scars, the cords of ropey muscle along your arms under your rolled up sleeves. And she uh, bites her lip for a moment before she blurts out, 
Me and Richard were playing at the property line where we weren't supposed to, and he said he was going to go explore, and he told me to go back because I had to go back for dinner. It was too dangerous. You know not to leave each other alone. He was he was super really upset with me. I, he was so angry. I don't know why. I, I was scared, so I came home. Where was the last place you saw him? Uh, coming away from, from the property line by the rocks. All right. Um, happy, Hubert. I think we need to have a search party. Um, I think Mordigan right about to go out the door. I think so is Happy putting on his galoshes that exist already. Galoshes exist. What is that? Yes. Yeah, like like rain boots. Yeah, I put on my vessies and I go. Vessies <laughs> are waterproof. Rebecca, are you going? I think I maybe I'll stay back with Helen. Sure. I think to try to offset my scariness, I don't know if it works or not. I kind of ruffle Helen's hair and say, "Take good care of your mother." She, she winces under the heavy strength of your hand. Setting out, it's barely a 15-minute walk to the edge of the property line. Uh, you know that there is a young woman, maybe 27, 28, uh, a widow, you think, a young widow who keeps a cottage here. Um, but I don't think either of you interact with her too directly. Um, all you know is she's the next property over and that... Um, Richard and Helen sometimes like to play because she has a garden, she has a woodshed, all the little structures that excite the imaginations of children. Um, As you're crossing over the scrub and the rock, the sun is beginning to set. The sky is slowly starting to change over from an empty slate gray to one that has rich hues of blue and purple and even the faintest beams of starlight poking through the curtain of clouds. And as you walk, a light drizzle begins to fall making for an unpleasant uh, October evening. It's getting dim by the time you reach the property line and see the silhouettes of an old tool shed, some garden beds in the distance, the widow's cottage, and no immediate sign of Richard. I call his name Richard. This time you do hear a response, uh, though it's not verbal. You hear something uh, shaking and, and clattering inside this woodshed that's on the far end of this garden. Uh, okay, I just go in and go into the shed. I both have not a lot of regard for this woman as well as her property. Sure. Inside the woodshed, you look beyond piles of old clay pots, rusted garden equipment, a couple of canvas sacks you're not sure the contents of. And uh, instead of finding Richard, you see a disgusting sight. You see, um, looks like it might have been a young pig. Uh, its body splayed out on the floor of the shed, being eaten through by rats. This is a fresh pig? Fresh, like it died to the rats? Uh, it looks at least a couple of days old. Pig in a shed or pig in like a barn? In a shed, not where a pig would normally be. I just imagine like a putrid rat, uh, like pork corpse would smell putrid. It would be awful. I don't like the word pork corpse. Sorry. It's her birthday. Yeah, well, I think I think Hubert would... Uh, Hubert... He's not stunned by the sight at all, but the stench reminds him of the war, and so he leaves quite quickly, probably in quite uh, a fit before that those images perhaps start to take hold mm. of himself. But, I mean, he's probably seen... <coughs> he probably would interchange people with pig, because that's probably what he's seen. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, I think in that case, like, happy... I'm not, I'm, I have been around plenty of rotting fish. Close enough, right? 
What do I do? I guess I'll try to scare off the rats and then I'll go tell the lady of the property. Sure. Um, Hubert, I think it, you do find it difficult to control some of the uh, emotions, the troubled emotions or the anxieties of your past experience in the war. What does it feel like? What kind of symptoms would Happy see as you as you return from this woodshed? Uh, definitely would go very silent. Um, is probably just leaning against the shed, uh, trying to empty his mind. Perhaps it's almost, it's not meditative, it wouldn't be that at all, but it's some, he's found some way to cope, maybe just trying to like focus on a particular fond image that he has from his past and tries to just like thought replace it essentially. But it's a very like, you know, he's an uneducated young boy um, it's not like it's particularly effective, so uh, it's often in in, in vain. Um, but I would say that in this instance, that it probably does succeed because it's for the necessity of his his brother, and that's a sense of duty, which is I think not to which is akin to probably what it was like in the war for him is that I've seen these things or seeing these people, but. Um, your your duty, your goal, your whatever it is being this like true north at all times. And so I think that that is what this is for now. But it would probably catch up with him later that day. Happy, you said you were going to try to clear out the rats and then go talk to the lady of the house? Yes. I think I'll ask you to make a pull. How are you scaring away these rats? Is there anything, sh- like is there like a pitchfork in the shed or something? There can be if you pull a block. One to find a pitchfork, one to use it. <sighs> Guys, I said I'm not good at Jenga. Oh, okay. A pitchfork in the corner of the shed. A little bit of rust on it, but the tines are shiny and sharp and will do their job. Good, good. Um, I'm not a man to deal with land creatures. Um, don't like their little paws. So I'd like to keep as much distance as possible. Um, and I'm not trying to, like, kill these rats. Just, just chew them away. The rats flee with a chorus of squeaks and hisses. There's something on this dead pig. What is it? I take a closer look, I guess, with my pitchfork still in hand. I'm not sure how well you would recognize materials like this, because it's not really something used in fishing. It looks like uh, like a stint, like something was jammed into this pig's neck to drain its blood. You can see a couple of dark, sticky stains on the floor of the shed. It's not a method that you're familiar with for preparing pork. Hubert. You call me in. Yeah, you're outside, right? So you refuse to look at it. No, I'm going to have you look at it because I'm going to take it out and show it to Rebecca. Take what out? The stint. I don't want to be the only person who... Yeah, there is no photograph, so I need other people to look at it. I'll look at it, get what it is, and then I'm at the far wall waiting for you to do whatever it is you're going to do. I don't know if it's possible for you to come back and look at this thing directly without having to make a pull for it. That's fine. Ah! No, that one's not too bad. Let's do that one. Is there anything you want to look at specifically, Hubert? 
I don't know if there's any particularly new information that I could glean at looking at it. I mean, I would probably be able to ascertain what you just said, that like this isn't how you butcher a pig. Um, but that much is probably obvious. So it is probably just more of a corroboration of, of what we're seeing. I guess Happy will ask, like, I'm not one for pork, but do you recognize what this might be for? No, but it's clearly nothing good, so let's just... Do what we gotta do and leave quick. All right, take a good look. And Happy pulls it out of the pig's neck. With a, an unsettling wrench of loose flesh sliding around it. There's just some pig skin in my back pocket now. Uh, okay, let's leave. We have to go find, I, I mean, we should just go to this woman and it doesn't have to be like, a, hey, here's a dead pig. It's, in fact, I would say don't mention it. It's more of, we gotta ask where our brother is. Sure. Happy's not good at talking to strangers because he scares them as much as they scare him. And I think everyone knows it. So you will be talking to the widow. Okay. It's kind of comical. He's like standing behind you like a kid, but I'm six uh, and a half I feet go tall. up and I bang on the door. After a moment, a woman answers. She is maybe 27 or 28 years old. She's beautiful with warm auburn hair, soft, sad green eyes, dressed in a, a simple wrap and a shawl. She maybe has a passing familiarity with you as residents of the nearest property. She says, uh, hi, good evening. Hi, uh, sorry. Um, I know you must be here looking for your boy. Yes. Ricky, honey. Your brother's here. And Richard? Uh, you hear a, a childish giggle from inside the house and the running of little feet. And then Richard appears at the door. Um, he has a smear of chocolate on the corner of his mouth. The woman says, um, oh, I hope he's not in trouble. Just, uh, he came by in the garden. I asked if you wanted to come in for some tea and he's, uh, he's a great spot of company. Richard, come on. Um, happy kind of like scruffs him over the doorway and like takes his huge thumb and wipes the chocolate off that corner of his mouth. Uh, thanks for looking after him. Have a, have a nice night. Really don't get him into any trouble. It's all my fault and get a little lonely around here. I'm sure his bent is here twice as long as he wanted me to. Yeah. Happy tips his hat to the lady. Have a nice night. Uh, meanwhile, at Booker's Cottage. Uh, Rebecca, you are alone with Helen. Um, are you gonna eat your stew or are you just gonna wait for the, the lads? Uh, I think I am too upset to eat. So I think the stew is like immediately forgotten um, as soon as they walk out the door and I start like pacing throughout the house, kind of talking at Helen like, I think I, I start with being angry at her and then I chill out to like seeing she's upset and then comforting her. After the first bout of um, panic, I think I sit and stare out the window. Helen is uh, staring morosely into her stew for a good while of your, your highs and lows, your, uh, your episode you're having. And when you do finally... Uh, calm down and just sit and stare at the window. She stands in the doorway, worrying the hem of her dress. She says, Mommy, when is Daddy coming home? He should be home any day now. 
How long is he going to stay? A few weeks. Maybe a month if we're lucky. Helen nods, and as you are about to perhaps chastise her for asking too many prying questions, there's a knock at the door of the cottage. Um, if I'm staring out the front window, I didn't see anybody come up. No, you did not. I get up and I say to Helen, maybe they found Ricky already. And I open the door. You open the door to Siobhan Cook, the young widow who lives next door to you. Um, she is wearing a wrap dress and a simple shawl. She has warm auburn hair and sad, soft green eyes. Though there's only a light drizzle out, her hair seems plastered to her pale skin, as though she's been walking for quite some time. She says, uh, oh, hi, Rebecca. It's good to see you. Are you keeping well? Uh, we're actually having a little bit of a scare right now. Ricky didn't come home for dinner. Oh, goodness. I hope nothing's happened. The men have gone out looking, but, uh, I'm just, a li- I'm just a little bit on edge. I'm sorry if I'm not the most hospitable right now. That's quite all right. It, and it's no trouble if the answer's no, but I wanted to ask if you might have a cup of sugar I could borrow for a cake. A cup of sugar? Um, I, I, I'll, I'll take a look. Do you mind if I just step in out of the rain? Of course, of course. Um, I'll get you a cup of tea to, uh, to, warm your, uh, to warm up. Thank you, that's very kind. Go to the kitchen, I put on the kettle, and I look for some sugar. How frazzled are you here? I'm pretty frazzled. Like, I think normally I would probably be a little warmer to, to Siobhan. I'm notably like keeping my distance and uh, not making eye contact. She's hovering awkwardly in the doorway. She says, are those curtains new? No. Uh, <laughs> Silly me. The, we, have, we, we, we haven't uh, updated the... Uh, the house in quite some time. Uh, George isn't uh, home long enough to to help with any of those decisions. He must be coming back soon, though, with the season coming to its end. These nights are getting mighty cold. He uh, should be back today or tomorrow, but uh, knowing him, he'll be on the ocean all winter. No, I should hope not. That's uh, that's quite a hard way to live. It's, I I think so, but it makes him happy. Uh, here is your here is your sugar and. Um, the tea will be just another minute. Sure. Uh, she gratefully accepts the wooden cup of sugar in hands that are, are visibly dripping water onto the wooden countertop into the floor of the cottage. Do you need a towel? If you have one to spare, that would be lovely. I uh, run upstairs to the linen closet to get her a clean towel. Mm-hmm. When you come downstairs, Rebecca, Siobhan is nowhere to be seen. You are holding a towel and standing at the bottom of the stairs and uh, where she was standing at the entrance, the doorway of the kitchen, there is a, a massive puddle of water. Not just the, the rain drippings off of one you know woman caught out in a storm, but as though someone has upended pots and pots of water onto the floor. You see Helen is sitting on the couch, staring down, not the couch, just like a little, barely like a couple of wooden chairs in the living room, the front room where you were sitting, staring at her feet silently. And uh, on the countertop, there is a uh, still full wooden cup of sugar. And on the other side of the countertop, the butcher knife that Happy was using to prepare the stew is no longer on the cutting board. Helen, where, where did Siobhan go? Who? Did you spill this? No. How did this happen? I don't know. Siobhan, the woman who was just here? 
You were in the room the whole time. I, I, did you not see me talking to a woman? You've been talking to yourself all night. I straighten up my posture and I, as if all is well, I say to her, here's a towel, clean this up. Um, a little cowed, Helen takes the towel and starts, it's it, a useless task. The towel is not that big and the puddle is huge and she just immediately gets it to a complete sopping wet mess. Um, at which point the back door of the cottage opens and Happy and Hubert return with a, a deliciously chocolate stuffed Richard in tow. Um, I go run and hug Richard and like put my hands on either side of his face and say, you cannot run off without telling me where you are going. Do you understand? He was at the Crone's house. The, the widow one, Siobhan, I think. Siobhan, she was, uh, she was, she was just, she was, um, he and you're all right? I'm, f- I'm fine, Mum. Yeah, he's quite all right. I'm sorry. Well, don't go running off again, you understand? Yes. Uh, help your sister clean that puddle. Uh, uh, Richard runs upstairs to get your other towel. Ma'am, can I see you in the kitchen? <laughs> yes, Happy. Um... Happy goes into the kitchen with Rebecca and produces um, this device that's still, I think, like half filled with pig's blood and describes the scene that was in the shed. Um, I think um, Rebecca like goes pale just with like, like she makes her physically sick and she says, well, um, I suppose what uh, Ms. Cook gets up into in her spare time is uh, none of our business. Um, throw that away. In the outside, not in the, not in the inside garbage. Happy puts it back in his back pocket and says, At first, I did think it was your boy Hubert causing some mischief, but uh, based on his reaction, I'd say nobody in this house. My Hubert, he, he gets up to some trouble, but this, I... <laughs> I don't think that's quite the kind of hijinks he's usually up to. As he's heading back out towards the back door, he says, I would keep an eye on this. It's attracting rats. And he goes and disposes of it, I guess. Happy as you toss away the stint um, and, and look down at the smears of old pig blood that are now on your hands, the drizzle breaks into a heavy, pounding autumn storm. The heavens open up and rain just begins falling in loud, heavy sheets. At the same time, in the distance, a few kilometers down the road, the silhouette of the lighthouse at New Era blinks into life, and the sound of the foghorn flares once, then twice, letting everyone know that the lighthouse is now active for the evening. You still haven't had your supper. Right. Um, Well, I'll use the rain to clear, to wash the remaining blood off my hands and then come inside for dinner. I think Rebecca has completely forgotten about food um, and is now still sitting in the front looking out the window like she was when uh, she was waiting for you to come back with Ricky. Javi's already ladling into his soup and I think says... Does anyone call you Becca? Are you only Rebecca? I think I'm Mrs. Tatham. Damn. Then I think in that case, he would just call you, like, Madam. Okay. Madam, soup's getting cold. Oh, um, I ate. 
I look over and the bowl is not empty. You eat? Yeah, I eat. Oh, I got those sweet mushrooms. Yeah, I eat. I think I'm already eating. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like everyone's eating except Rebecca. You, you refuse to? Um, I think I, like, don't have an appetite. Well, my, uh, well, I, I, I went out into the woods today and I found some uh, fresh mushrooms that, that, that I put in the stew. They were for you specifically. I thought I would surprise you. I know there was a lot that happened, but I really appreciate it if you, I don't know, tried some. I get up and go to the table and I like sort of barely eat. You all sit and eat your stew in what seems like somewhat tense silence. The rain does not abate over the course of dinner. It only seems to get heavier and louder. Sometimes you have to repeat yourself just to be heard over the sound of, of bullet-like rain drumming on the uh, on the wooden beams of the roof. That is a great time to go down, what, like down the hill to town or something? Is that where it is? I'm going down the hill to town. I'm, uh, it's a auspicious night. It's a night with heavy rainfall. Doesn't mean there'll be a lot of people out. Sounds like a fun time for Hubert. You wanna leave? I wanna leave. Sure. I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, I think, um... I don't know how much Rebecca is noticing. Sure. Okay. I feel like Rebecca's a big knitter or like embroiderer or something. I think she's a starer out the windower. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fiber arts requires a certain level of concentration right. that's just not coming today. Or Rebecca's having a no bones day. <laughs> Hubert, you start gathering your things, your cap and your jacket and supplies to make mischief. I don't know exactly what it is you do. It's probably just a fucking hammer, that's it. It's probably just a hammer. <laughs> Richard and Helen are watching as Happy fixes a fire in the little stove in the living room when Helen just um, totally like collapses onto the floor and uh, vomits heavily. Uh, the, the puke has a strong violet tinge to it. Such a fucking drama queen, man. Yeah, she says, I did this for attention. <laughs> I leave. Your sister's throwing up and you leave? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that I jolt up and go, Helen, oh, what? What's going on? Are you, are you, are you feeling quite, quite well? She can't even speak. This is clearly a serious medical emergency, and you can see as you look, Rebecca, that there's blood mixed in with the bile. Um, oh shoot, what do you do for that? Get her some tea, like ginger ale. Walk it off. Something with mint in it. I honestly yeah, like think mint that and ginger. This is a take to the town doctor, I think. Yeah. Can we, it's, it's, are we in a situation where like we can take her to the town doctor or like? It's a walk of a few miles into the city. Yeah. Through the rain, epic. It's nighttime and it's, it's like, it is capital S storming. Um, you can hear occasional cracks of thunder. You can see at the front window that the, the little worn path up this rural road is becoming a mudslide rapidly. And Hubert is already going out and probably isn't that far. Yeah. So I think I can run out and tell you to go get the town doctor. I think you can run out and find your son if you're willing to make a pull from the tower. I did it. Do you have Helen with you or are you going out by yourself? Uh, I'm just trying to like 
catch up to Hubert who left like a minute ago. So you're just dashing out into the street. Yeah, just to be like, hey, do this, and then come back. The visibility is so poor. Um, even though Hubert left only a minute ago, it also seemed as though he left at speed, probably to avoid spending much longer in the pouring rain than he has to. Um, so you have to hot foot it down the path from the cottage to the road to even find him and see him turning up the laneway. You call after him and sprint. And are you turning around to talk to your mother? Yeah. I wonder if um, Hubert's maybe already started drinking in preparation for a night on the town. I have a feeling that's a big part of the recipe with you and yeah. me and vandalism. Sure, sure. sure. You smell uh, a cloud of whiskey on your son's breath as he turns and faces you unsteadily. I wrinkle my nose and I say, Hubert, I know you were out to go with your friend, but um, your sister's in a bad way. I need you to stop by the doctor and have send him to, to the house. What's wrong with her this, she's, what's wrong with her this time? She has some blood in her vomit and that is not a very good sign. Well, I can't happy take her. I'm not asking you to take her. We can't move her in this rain. We need the doctor to come to us, and you are going to town anyway. You don't even have to change your plans. Just drop by and make sure he gets here. All right, fine. Uh, I don't say a word more thing. I think I'll just pass you the hammer and, like, bottle of fucking jank moonshine. You can get shit-faced after. Yeah, but... I'm gonna have to, I got shit to do now. Okay. And I guess I go. As you're standing in the street having this conversation, the light at the lighthouse that you can see every minute or two as it cycles around, cycles around once more, only this time it's not a warm amber glow that you'd expect. Instead, the light coming off the lighthouse is a, a ethereal, sinister looking violet color. Um, I want to ask each of you to make a pull to avoid the effects of viewing this light. I'm going for a yeah. no, 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 no way, no way. That's crazy. You're about to die. Jordan's trying I to take the middle out. ones out. I could get that out. As the two of you uh, see that the light has changed color from the lighthouse, it's it's like the light sinks in through your eyes and just sears your mind for a second. All you can see, smell, taste, sense is this overwhelming feeling of purple, the taste of the heavy fungus from the forest on your tongues from when you ate dinner. It's incredibly overwhelming and there's a, there's a compulsion or a, a sensation tied to the feeling, but uh, you shake it off. You focus on where you're standing apart from each other in the muddy laneway leading down into town. And after a second, you both open your eyes and find yourself staring at each other in the rain, in the dark, unsteady on your feet. Something, uh, something undefinable, something electric has passed between you two. It's, it's quite frightening. You know that the light from the lighthouse is dangerous and that people should not look at it. Like ever? Would we now know that innately or knew that prior? You now know that innately. Uh. I think it's Rebecca's way in to just kind of shake things off and go carry on as normal. Wow, that's quite the way. Like, this shit's pretty uncanny, Rebecca. Uh, that is, yeah, that is to say, I think she would... Um, 
like take a like steady herself, take a breath and say, please promise me you will make sure the doctor comes over. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I am not like that. Um, so um, I don't hear you. I literally don't hear what you're saying. I just am stepping backwards slowly with a blank stare. Hubert? I would say I still don't hear you. I need you to promise me your sister is severely ill. I turn and I run into the night away from you. In the cottage, the living room is a scene of panic as Happy kneels over Helen. You are not a medical practitioner and you're not good with children. And the severely ill child is vomiting up everything in her body in front of you. There is an incredible explosion of noise at the back door of the cottage that you came through earlier. I don't like it, but um, Richard, look after your sister. And I go towards the door. The back door has broken open because the back field is starting to completely flood with the volume of rain that is falling on New Era. Leagues of dirty water is gushing in, quickly filling up the kitchen floor. You see a, a, a shape, something large and dark, bobbing in the water, caught in the doorway. What does it look like from where I am? Mm, you'll have to get closer to see. I don't want the children to drown in the mud. Um, first I'll go back inside. I scoop, uh, I scoop Helen up in my arms, bring her upstairs and tell Richard, don't come downstairs. Sure, they are terrified out of their wits. Helen is, her eyes aren't focused. It doesn't look like she's aware of where she is anymore. Close that door, um, go out the back door and try to close that door as much as I can. The water's rapidly rising, happy. Uh, it's probably at your ankle or your calf, which on someone like Rebecca could be close enough to her knee. And in the doorway, this dark shape bobbing, you can see by the light of a lantern that's hanging on a hook at the door, uh, the head and upper torso of the pig. Nope, nothing, nope, going back inside. Uh, there is, there's not much of an inside to go to. This is a small cabin, and uh, as you back away, the pig's empty, vacant eye swivels and looks at you. It snuffles heavily, and you can see its mouth working, black, rotten teeth being licked at by a warped purple tongue as it swims in the water towards you. It smells something on you happy. It wants something from you. Can I get to the door in time? To shut the door? Yeah. I think that's two pulls. Can I, for one pull, attack it? Uh, how are you attacking it? Well, I would think that I'd have something on me, like like a small hatchet, like I would cut the, the logs with. For a pull, you can have a hatchet. So either way, it's two pulls. I think this is a complex challenge that you're facing. Nothing's easy anymore. Oh, that one is. Is this you getting a hatchet? Okay. Um, though the water is steadily filling up the house, though you flash in the back of your mind with a panic and realize that Jesus Christ, Rebecca and Hubert are just out on the road. 
where they're the most vulnerable to flooding, to anything that gets washed down, where are they? You reach around on the counter and find the hatchet leaning against the corner. The handle is wet, but serviceable. All right, I go for a clean cleave through this uh, pig's face. You could swear as it swims closer and closer by thrashing violently in the water that through its slit throat, the word (laughs) is being croaked. I'm also pretty um, steeled to horrors. Obviously, I'm not prepared for this, but I know how to keep a steady hand. So I just, like wood chop, just a clean cleave right between the eyes, split down the tongue. I don't want to see it. Though the water streaming into the house is dark brown, muddy, almost black, the blood from the pig, what remains anyway, splatters on the surface of the water, the walls of the cottage, your clothes and your skin in a shade of searing bright crimson. After a horrible stomach-turning moment, this thing's dying or undying cries fall silent. Happy, the house is not a safe place to be. Even pigs aside, the water is now up to your knees, probably Rebecca or Hubert's waist. The children are upstairs and they are yelling. It's still rain. It's rain rain. It's still storming out. It's storming and and now the area is flooding. Um, I'll give you a moment and we'll jump back to Rebecca and to Hubert. Hubert, you want to run towards town? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a daunting prospect. Mm -hmm. Quickly, the path becomes uh, not one at all, just a field of mud, not unlike battlefields that you fought in during the First World War. Mm -hmm. You don't make it very far before the, the passage becomes incredibly difficult. Your feet are sinking through mud at every moment, and the rain lashing eventually just saturates and starts cutting through your outer layers, chilling you to the bone. You see something glinting up ahead, a piece of metal. Upon closer inspection, it looks like a bicycle. But not just any bicycle. It looks like the bicycle of Louis Pickett, your friend from town. And uh, as you make your way in, the mud squelching, still at least a mile's walk outside of Deer Creek, you see uh, the form of Louis climbing through the mud, his uh, large owlish glasses splattered and cast askew, his untidy blonde hair swept back and plastered to the top of his head. He says, ah, Jesus, fuck! Louis! And then I'm trying to get to him. He gratefully and unsteadily accepts your help. And he says, uh, (sighs) what's going on? It's quite the rain, eh? Yeah, it's, uh, are you okay? It's, yeah. I, I was going to meet you up the path, like we said, but uh, it's it's not really good to ride on no more. Uh, uh, I don't know if we should. If we no, should it's be... not good for anything, Louis. You should go back home. Uh, go go back home? Yes. Why? What's wrong? You, just, you need to go home, Louis, okay? I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. Louis looks at you curiously, his brow furrows. He says, Hubert, I don't want to go home. Louis, go home. He brushes back the hair out of his face and you see that his eyes, which are normally a a soft, serene blue that I think you are perhaps sometimes enchanted by, uh-huh. uh, now have a very strong tint of violet to them. Louis says, I'm not fucking going home. And he slugs you in the jaw. 
Okay. It's on Louis. You wanna fight Louis? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm 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 seeing red, yeah. Um you think you fought Louis before? Not like this. Okay. I'll ask you to get more specific for me. Louis standing in front of you in the mud. There is indeed a crazed look in his eye, and he is mumbling and muttering to himself as he rolls up his sleeves casually. Seeing his eyes like that, seeing what's happening, seeing the lighthouse, seeing basically having like an episode earlier on and all that is like, I am fully trying to kill him. Okay. I'm not, I don't want like, I imagine the way that it would play out in an ideal world is that I catch myself before then, but like the blunt, quick reaction to being struck by him after seeing his eyes like that in the situation that's unfolding is to, is without filter. Uh. And you're just going at him with your fists? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask for one pull to start. Um, that would be a pull to just subdue Louis. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. The whole tower is askew. Yeah. It's a spark in a powder keg in your mind, Hubert and all of the the anger and the fear and the adrenaline just rushes back into your body and it sings as it flows through your veins. Louis is on the ground and it's like a series of snapshots of a tooth bloody flying out of his mouth into the mud, of eyes swollen shut with black bruises, of a, a pleading please that gets cut off by another swing to the jaw because you are in a state of such aggravation and heightened rage, I will ask you to make one more pull to not kill Louis. Otherwise, you will beat him to death. Your only friend here in New Era. What happens here in the mud? Uh, I would say that whether I would attribute it to something that I'm seeing or something that was actually happening, it doesn't really matter. I'd say that I would have my hands around his neck and I'm actually like taking life from him. And then I would maybe see, can I see his eyes that return to that familiarness? Certainly. So they shift from this violet hue that was perhaps in some ways this catalyst uh, because of the anomaly as well as everything else. And then in seeing them come back to a, something that I've, 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 I, I do love, um, you know, I see those horrors and they rush back and I loosen my grip and I just say, just fucking go home, Louie. He's panting. His tongue is probing the hole in his mouth where his teeth once were. And he stares up at you with tears blinking away in the corners of his eyes. He says, we can't go home, Huey. Down in town. They all saw the light. Where's the doctor? I don't know. Then you can still go home, Louis. Where are you going? I have to go into town. You can't. Yes, I can. You stand up, Hubert. You leave Louis blinking and crying in the mud. He rolls over onto his front and starts staggering to his feet towards his bicycle as you disappear into the shadows towards the town of Deer Creek. Rebecca? Mm -hmm. I think it's been a while since we've seen how you are doing. Yeah. Do you stand out there much longer after your son disappears into the nighttime? Um, yeah, I definitely, I, I watch him go. I think um, I have the thought of, no, I should stop him. But by the time I have that thought, I think it's too late. 
Um, and then I turn around and go into the cottage. It takes a moment. You are almost to the end of the lane around the corner and getting back. I don't imagine you, Rebecca, as the most physically tough person. No. And uh, the mud sucks at your feet. The wind threatens to bowl you over. The lightning flashes uncomfortably close to the cottages of New Era. The lighthouse light flashes once every couple of minutes and you try as much as you can to duck your head and just push on in the darkness. This is so hard. You have to make some pulls here. Just walking around is a pull. This place is flooding. Um, I'm going to say one pull to make it back, two pulls to make it back without sustaining a serious injury. Okay. Rebecca, it is a miracle that you avoid heavy, jagged rocks, branches that are just floating now down what used to be the road, and you still see the faintest prick of light through the window of your cottage. You stagger back. You, Your clothes are torn. Your hair is wild. Your eyes are streaming tears down your face because of the biting wind. You are colder than you've ever been. And inside is no better. Though the lights are on, at least a couple of lamps are lit, the water in the house is up to your waist. Where are you, Happy? Um, Happy is upstairs. I think I'm preparing to leave with the kids. Um, so I guess, like, Richard is in another room putting on a raincoat, and I'm trying to, like, put a raincoat on Helen while she's sideways so she doesn't choke on her own bile. Um, and we're upstairs, and uh, we'll leave since I don't know that Rebecca has come in, and I'm getting ready to maybe go to the lighthouse. Richard is, um, like, trying to get dressed, which is a relatively simple task, but he is just sobbing at the top of his lungs because he's 11, and he doesn't know what's happening, and he feels incredibly unsafe. And he's correct Mm -hmm. in that feeling. At the bottom of the stairs, you see a breathless Rebecca staggering into the kitchen, and whatever worries you had about her condition are abated at least for a moment. What is that moment like of of reuniting here? I imagine it's very different for us. On the outside, Lucky is unfazed to the max. You don't even notice a change in his expression, let alone relief. Um, But on the inside, he feels almost to his namesake, Um, at least as close as he can get to that in this situation. He feels kind of renewed, more more motivated again to get to the lighthouse. Um, I see you, and my first thought is the children. I ask, how is Helen? Is she still in this state? Um, Hubert, I, I, I hope he's trying to get to the doctor, so what's, what can we do in the meantime to, to, to buy time? Richard is, like, struggling still, I think, to button up his, his raincoat. And Happy sort of pushes his hands to the side and buttons them up really deftly. So fast, it's almost like he's angry. Why are you putting on jackets? We have to leave. We can't leave. Get some writing materials in the drawer and, and write to the doctor that we're at the lighthouse. To the lighthouse? Are you crazy? Do you want to drown in mud? We'll drown in mud outside just as more quickly than here. At least here we have stairs. Happy sighs. I think it's the wrong move to stay here. The house is rickety already. There's a mudslide outside. Um, I think the house is going to be, like, torn down. And I don't want to tell you that there was a zombie pig in your backyard, but there was. 
Um, but you are the madam of the house. And more than that, you are the madam of the house that I am in love with. So I will not fight you. I just will go to, I guess... I, I imagine the house as being sort of on, like, a slope. Sure. Um, and so I go to the back bedroom, which is, I guess, the highest point. I start undressing Helen's raincoat from her. The lighthouse is not not safe, and uh, we Helen can't be moved in her state. Okay. There's a call that comes through the shut bedroom window, and it's someone crying out the name, Rebecca! I open the window to see. You don't see anything. It's pitch dark, and a storm is raging, but you hear the voice of Siobhan Cook coming from what sounds like the direction of her cottage, calling, anyone, please, Rebecca. She's not safe out there. We have to help her. Hey, well, Happy still has his his coat on, I guess. Um, And he just nods to you and um, starts making his way outside. This time he'll bring an axe. It's a pull to safely walk over to where the sound is coming from. This tower is looking very unstable. Happy, the water is at some points at your waist as you make your way around to um, to Siobhan Cook's property. The visibility is just completely shot. You are just walking through an ocean of blackness, except that every so often you can make out the purple light from the lighthouse. Do you understand Rebecca's warnings about it. What did you say? I think you just said the lighthouse isn't safe. Probably not. Okay. By the time you round the corner at the front gate of the cottage, you see Siobhan. She is leaning over the fence post and clutching onto it. The water is up to her decolletage. It's hard to tell at this distance. It looks like she's not moving if she's unconscious or something. All you can get is the occasional purple-tinged flash of her red hair as the light sweeps over again. If I get closer, can I find out? Can I tell if she's conscious or not? Her eyes are shut. She certainly doesn't seem to be aware of your presence, but it's even hard to know if that's because she's unconscious or because it's so loud and so dark that there's no way of knowing you're there unless you're a foot in front of her or closer. I'll try to pick her up. Okay. When you do, uh, you feel the, the weight and heat of your own butcher knife uh, slide against your side as Siobhan opens her eyes, a stark shining violet, and swings it into your midsection. Um, you need to make a pull if you want to avoid getting uh, heavily stabbed. Oh God. You recoil back. You stop carrying her. She falls into the water and you watch her try to rise unsteadily to her feet. What do you do, Happy? I'm a strong guy. She's a 27 year old widow. You can certainly physically overpower her. I do. (laughs) Um, I shove her back down into the mud. Are you holding her down there or are you just pushing? No, I'm just shoving, I'm just pushing. Okay. She splashes into the mud and you can hear uh, her laughing, which gets cut off into a gurgle as the muddy water closes around her face. And then she stands back up and she staggers towards you, still laughing, coughing, black brackish water spilling out of her mouth down the front of her dress. She's following you. 
Yeah, I think I can make it back to the cottage first, and if she'll follow me into the cottage, the kids are upstairs. I can kill this lady in the cottage. Okay. This will be a pull to race her back and be able to put enough distance between her and you. I live. Rebecca, you see through the window as you're straining against the dark for any sign of any movement, just the glint of sharp metal following Happy as he makes his way back around to the cottage. Hubert, you have arrived onto the main street of Deer Creek. Because this is a little bit more inland, uh, the flooding is still pronounced, but less severe than it is in your neck of the woods. But the streets are empty. Many of the buildings have their lights off. There's certainly none of the usual cheer and excitement you would see on an average evening as workers head to the taverns and people close up their businesses. Instead, the streets are quite desolate. What are you doing? Oh yeah, I'm going to the doctors. Sure. Uh, The doctor's house, blessedly, is not far from the side of town that you entered. A big corner building with a faded blue sign that says Vernon Brunt Medicine. There does seem to be a light on upstairs in this building. Doctor! Bang, 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 bang. The sounds of quick, unsteady footsteps down the main stairs and the door thrown open. A man uh, with dark skin and gray hair that's balding on the top in a, in a large white coat, scowling into the rain, saying, Who's there? It's Hubert. It's an emergency. I need you right now. I know that, I know that the weather's bad. I know it's terrible. I know that there's fucked up things happening, but please, please, I, we need you. We'll, we'll both die out there. No, I just came here myself. I can get you there. It's safe up at the cottage anyway. I've heard that there's all kinds of nasty things happening here, and the water's going to flow all the way down. It's downhill here. His face twists into a grimace, and he says, um, show me your eyes. I open them wide, but I ask why, why? And you're right, there is, uh, some manner of, of evil here tonight. You've seen the people with purple eyes. What, what about them? I was at the general store talking to the shopkeep. The light turned purple in the air. I'm not sure why, and suddenly everyone lost a hold of their senses. They were fighting each other. They were chasing after me. I came in here and shut the door until they all went away. I don't know how many are like it. I don't know if they drank something tainted. Have you had any water from the wells today? No. Doctor, there isn't time for this, and it seems like the least safe place for you to be right now is here. Come with me, come back to our home, and help help my sister, and, and, and we'll shelter you for the night. I'll pull to convince him. He casts a long look down at the main street of town. He says, uh, I'll get my bag. And he, he lurches into the living room, snatches up a heavy black traveling case, and he says, lead the way. And so are you. As you're making your way on the road back towards the house, it's even worse than when you left. It is like trying to walk through a river in parts. 
So you are gonna need to make one more pull to get back to the cottage if that's your intention. I think by the time you arrive, uh, Happy will have had a bit of a situation to deal with. So let's jump back there. Happy, you decided just to sprint back to the cottage in the hopes of waiting up the flood and avoiding the, uh, the attack from Siobhan Cook, the neighbor. She's maybe trailing 10 or 15 meters behind you as you plow through this water, this ice cold water and make your way into the cottage. It's impossible to close the back door at this point. What are you doing to prepare yourself? Um, I guess I ready myself. Uh, I, there's nothing then. I just ready myself, just take a few deep breaths. Um, as soon as I see her and not anyone, just specifically her, because I know that Hubert is supposed to come through the door at some point. Axe ready to just go. Mm-hmm. You're peering into the darkness and you lose sight of her. She doesn't come to the back door. I reposition myself. I put my back towards the stairs so that I will see which door she comes from. Rebecca, you are waiting with bated breath. You've also lost sight of Siobhan and of Happy. You can hear Happy. You hope it's Happy. You hope it's Happy alone. You're too scared to call out his name tramping around in the water of the flooded kitchen. You're staring down from the top of the stairs as Eli shits her pants. You're staring down from... <laughs> what? What sorry, is this what is I have an idea hand. I wanted to add. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I want Happy to also have a blanket. And when she comes in, I'm going to throw the blanket at her. Cool. You hear Happy open your blanket cupboard and go, <laughs> gray twill, no. Purple knit, it's too open. And, you know, <laughs> consult the pros and cons of each of the blankets. <laughs> I picked the one that I think you like the least. Great, thank you. Welcome back to Blanket Chat, a podcast within a podcast within a podcast. Um, sorry. Here's the thing, though. Rebecca, you are straining at the landing, looking down the steps, trying to get a glimpse. It is hard to see even even in the normal daytime or nighttime, looking down and trying to get a glimpse of the cottage. It's so narrowly built. But um, unfortunately, I think your back is turned when the upstairs window shatters and you hear the sound of Richard screaming. You turn and you see Siobhan Cook climbing through the window. Jesus Christ. With a butcher knife in her hand, she's swiping heavily at Richard. You see the blade connect and your son goes down, his scream cut off. Helen is lying unconscious on the bed. What do you do? Push her out the window. Push Siobhan out the window? Yeah. One pull to do it, another to do it without injury. You got it, you got oh, it. Oh, day. Oh, my goodness. How is this game still going? I really didn't think it was going to go this long. It's going to be more pulls, guys. So let's come down to an explosive climax. Tell me, my God, about this, Rebecca. She, yeah, I, she's broke through my window and stabbed my son. Pure instinct, no brains. I just run over and probably scream and shove her out the window. There's a split second that the violet in the eyes fade. You see the soft sea green eyes of Siobhan Cook staring at you in confusion and fear. The word Rebecca caught on her lips as she stares at you and you shove her down to her death in the muddy water below. I immediately go check on R Ricky. He, she didn't get to any, Helen, right? She didn't get to Helen. Richard has a shallow cut 
across his chest that is bleeding. I call for Happy. Happy runs upstairs. Do you know how to, uh, could you stitch him up? Um, I can try my best. Um, I assume you go and get, get your sewing, sewing kit. kit. Canonically hates it. She's more of a window sitter. <laughs> yeah, you did say you were more of a window sitter, though. I, I know how to, I have a sewing kit. I am a mom in the yeah, you're 1910s. A, you have a sewing a kit wife. if you pull for a sewing kit. I will pull if I have to pull for a sewing kit. You have to pull for the thread and pull for the needle. Don't test me. Oh my God. I successfully have a sewing kit. Um, and then I also want to like check on Helen. Um, you have two kids, both in mortal danger. At least luckily the... Uh, this, well, it doesn't seem lucky at first, but the sounds of someone else entering the cottage spill over from the front door. It's a busy place tonight. Hubert, what's going on as you lead Dr. Brunt into Booker's cottage? I call mother. Hubert, did you get the doctor? Yes, we're coming up. The water is fetid and foul smelling and uh, happy Hubert and Dr. Brunt track more than their fair share of it up your nice little rug and into your bedroom. Inside the bedroom, Helen is just so, so still and looks so pale and like a shrunken shadow of her usual self. Whereas Richard is babbling incoherently as he stares at the ceiling and blood seeps through his light blue shirt. The doctor says, Jesus Christ. Well, just stand there. You see Happy pressing down on the wound, like trying to mentally psych himself up to like stitch him closed. The doctor takes a moment to decide who needs more attention and then goes over to Helen. He uh, opens his, his big black case and starts rummaging through and saying, what were her symptoms? What happened to her? Sometime after, after we ate, um, she started- What did you eat? What did you drink? We had a stew. Um, with uh, beef, with uh, mushrooms, um, and she started throwing up. Were they old? Were they spoiled? I found them in the woods. There were these violet mushrooms. I got them just not a hundred yards that way. All of us ate them, though. She's the only one who's sick. He begins uh, going through. He has a little wooden case that opens up and has uh, a dozen small compartments with different powders and tinctures in them. Happy, you are trying to... Perform surgery on Richard? I can guess so. Dr. Brunt begins telling you how to uh, how to perform this procedure and also uh, kicks over the bag and has actual sutures and um, a needle in it, making Rebecca's earlier pull redundant and just for the gag of it all. <laughs> it will take you two pulls to complete this. One pull would be to... Um, successfully like staunch the wound and stop blood from coming over and the other pull will be to not do it in a way that like introduces horrible infection into richard later don't infect my child i'm working on it okay um you grit your teeth uh you give richard the uh like a scrap of fabric from rebecca's sewing kit and he bites down on it hard as you suture his wound um, it's uh, a grisly process. Um, Hubert, does it conjure up any wartime feelings? Yeah. Um, especially now the grittiness covered in mud, the weather, you know, all that 
I'd say it's pretty close to like a flat out breaking point, like complete total loss of sanity, even if I haven't seen this lighthouse. Make a pull to resist. I think with every blink of your eyes, Hubert, you can see the trench walls rise around you. You can see your friends and comrades lose their feet or other limbs to trench foot. You can hear the blasting of mortar fire ringing in your ears. I'm at a loss here. I I was really inviting destruction there, but I wasn't gonna like this and knock it over, so. Uh, you guys are very good at Jenga, unfortunately. The doctor has uh, spent the last minute spooning some concoction down Helen's unwilling throat as she coughs and splutters. At the very least, the sound of her body rejecting the medicine is a sign that she's still alive. Her eyes slowly open and they are violet through and through. But she doesn't seem deranged or violent in the way that Louis or that Siobhan were. Instead, she raises her head and stares dreamily at all of you in the room and in a croaky voice says, Light. Helen, sweetheart. The light at the tower. Just, just relax, don't speak. It's dad. What's dad? He's about to see the light. He's at sea, but we can't get to him. He's on the beach. How do you know that? He's on the beach. Uh, I guess I'm going to turn to Mother. We can't leave. It's not safe. He's calling for us. It's not safe. It's not safe anywhere. He'll die. We'll all die. I think Happy will go. I said this off the record, but I think, like, Happy has some feelings for Rebecca and feels guilty because her husband is actually Happy's friend. Um, on top of that, I think Happy has had not so great a life and has kind of come to terms that, um, this, there's nothing better out there. Uh, I'm gonna have to go too, and I think for me at least it's, yeah, I deferred to my mother in that situation, but, uh, even in the way you're saying it, I feel like it would be read as, like, you're saying the correct thing, but not the thing that you're that you want to say or that you like really feel. It's like yeah, obviously you want that like to have your husband back that's gone all the time and all that stuff, and obviously to not have him like die, but you would never ask that. So I think I'm just gonna. Make that decision. To go and rescue George from the beach, each of you will need to make three pulls. Love it. I would like you to take turns making them. What? Happy trudges out towards the beach, away from the cottage. Hubert not far behind. We got two. We each have two. Happy oh made God. it. Happy did it. No. No. Yes. You make your way to the beach. The water is reaching your chest. The light is flashing faster, it seems, as though the lighthouse beam is spinning at a heightened rate. It's almost dizzying how often you have to duck and cast your eyes away to avoid gazing at it. 
And on the beach, there is a fishing boat wrecked against the rocks. Uh, You call out for George and you hear no response. The boat is toppled onto its side and it's a dangerous and wicked climb to get into the cabin where George must be because the wood is splintered, a piece of sharpened iron rebar is poking through and the entire surface is slick with seawater and rain. I shout in my husky voice in in the loudest possible decibel, George! Uh, A delirious groan from inside the cabin. Three poles to climb inside. Ah, uh, yeah, well done. <gasps> I haven't breathed in 30 seconds. Good job, good job, dude. George Tatham flashes you a bloody, incoherent grin from the inside of the cabin of the fishing boat. It seems like some oar snapped in half speared him badly in the arm. He's woozy, but conscious, and his eyes well up in tears at the sight of you climbing into the wrecked cabin to save him. All he can do is choke out. Happy. George, my friend. It'll be all right. Your family is safe. Is he okay? Son. Dad. I can't see you, boy. (laughs) He will soon. There's an oar through your father's arm. It doesn't look good. Am I going to have to do the same deal to get inside? If you want to get inside. I'm going to have to wait. I think there's some version of this where Happy passes George over to you, but I'm going to want to deal with the oar first. What's the move? You're very good at Jenga, so it's kind of like whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to take the oar out. It's in his arm, right? It's like a chunk of it is. I don't want to take that chunk out. Uh, I want to help him get out of the boat. I think it will be impossible to get his weight out of this tipped fishing cabin without Hubert's help to manage the load from the ground. I think I basically have to act as like a like a booster or what's it called? Like a like a stepping stone for George. So I'll I'll call out to you. Hubert, are you ready to help grab your father? Yes. Happy kind of squats down below the window opening. Um, steadies himself, feet shoulder length apart, puts his hands out and says, step up, I've got you. Mm -hmm. So George is going to kind of climb over you out the door of the cavern and Hubert's going to try to roughly catch him, keep him from falling in the ocean. Um, I think this is just one pull from you and two pulls from Hubert, who's doing the bulk of the work. I do feel a release of tension. This is a good uh, game mechanic. Hubert, you are in a bind. You have to position yourself in such a way that you are prepared to hoist your father's injured body out of the cabin of his fishing boat and land him safely as best you can on the rocky shore of New Era. But in doing so, you have to position yourself in such a way that you are directly facing the lighthouse with its beam spinning faster and faster with what you could swear is the sound of strange alien music playing over the heavy sheets of rain that pound along the shore. 
You lower your head, keep your eyes downcast, flicking them up every few seconds to see when your father's body is going to emerge and when you can pull him to safety. And as happy braces, George gives him a shove over the ripped open door of the cavern. You look up to catch him and again, the light floods into your eyes and into your mind. And this time it is too beautiful to resist. The music is no longer a faint snatch over the rain. It is a heavy and strange melody that moves through your entire body and soul. And as you blink rapidly trying to make sense of your surroundings, you can see that you are not on the desolate rocky beach of New Era where a storm threatens to overturn everything you've built with your family. No, that would be ridiculous. That must be a distant nightmare. Instead, you are on a much calmer beach, softer, with sand the color of fresh plums and lavender waves lapping in the afternoon sunshine towards you. It's peaceful, the music fades into the background, and you could swear you see a glimpse of Louis' scruffy hair, the glint of light off his glasses, just over there across the dunes waiting for you to come join him. All you have to do is tromp through the surf around the cape and you'll be safe and free to do whatever you want. So that's what you do, Hubert. You slacken your arms. With a dreamy smile, you turn off into the gentle lavender ocean and you walk away from your father and that nasty old fisherman and the wrecked boat and everything that was holding you back in New Era. Happy, you... uh are not super successful in getting George out of the boat. He lands with a wet and heavy thud on the rocks. He is too big a man for you to comfortably carry back to the cabin in this state. Are you going to stay with him or are you going to leave him? I'll stay with him. The rain lashes down heavier and heavier. The lighthouse spins faster and faster, the purple light flickering in the air like lightning. And the two of you are alone on the beach. Rebecca? Your son, your servant, your husband, none return as the late night breaks into an uneasy dawn, as the rain finally begins to dissipate, as you begin to pull up the sodden furniture to the top floor, bail out what water you can, begin to assess the storm and the wreckage that has completely eradicated your life in New Era. All you can do is thank God for the safety of your two children, Helen, who in the morning has eyes of a warm honey brown like she normally does, and Richard, who has a tightness in his chest that will limit his ability to run and play in the fields, but also allows him to breathe in and out each day. And a new ally in the doctor, Vernon Brunt, who is uh, amazed that the four of you were able to survive the night. What does it look like the next morning? as you leave the cottage for the first time, what do you see and where do you go? Um, I guess I go downstairs and see the wreckage of my home and the wreckage of my, like the eight, few acres of land that we live on. Um, I see um, Siobhan's body still under uh, my children's bedroom window. Um, and I think I wait I stare, look out my front window for a few weeks 
And when it's clear that um, no one is coming back, I take um, Helen and I take Richard to Montreal. We move. In town, though there are a number of people who are not operating the shops they used to, who are not inhabiting the houses along the main square, almost no one talks in detail about what they experienced on the evening of the storm. A few of them, weeks later, wincing, grimacing, will make veiled comments about that night we had. And that's the most detail you're able to pry from anyone, whether or not you are interested, Rebecca, in any answers about what has occurred. Regardless, it does seem as though anything holding you here to this land that promised you so much and took almost everything you had no longer binds you. You pack up what remains of your belongings. You promise your children that happiness awaits them in a new place with new friends, that you have the ability to leave this darkness behind. And Booker's Cottage stands empty forevermore. Thank you for listening to another Many Realms one-shot. We hope you enjoyed our game of Dread. If you're new to our show, we produce one-shots and short campaigns in a variety of systems. Our episodes are edited for length and clarity, and we offer complete transcripts of every single episode. At patreon.com slash many realms, we offer exclusive content to our backers, including notes and outtakes not seen anywhere else. For Dread, we will upload the character creation questionnaires we used for this session. We'll be back next month with a new episode for you to enjoy. See you then.